You are listening to the Chomp Cast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. Remember, you can always go to swordchomp.com where you can access the many places our podcast is available for download. But if you're listening to the show right now, that means you found us. So welcome to the madness that is the Chomp Cast. It's my zombie voice. Also, head on over to patreon.com slash swordchomp if you'd like to support us financially. Um, look for our VIP tier. Either way, we're thankful for taking time out of your life to check out the show. We'll talk more about that Patreon page later. Um, we have an amazing show this week. And <laughs> we ask our listeners the most important question of all. Are zombies still scary? And we have first impressions on that note of the Resident Evil 2 remake that everyone's talking about. Uh, the topic of the show was sent in from a listener and VIP about why we choose the life we choose. You know, it's, it's more personal. The lifestyle of playing like 10 to 15 games or more every single year for the podcast. Um, and why is it even worth our time when there's usually only maybe a handful of games that quote unquote matter? So that should be a, a spirited discussion. And um, whether you're a longtime listener or a new fan of the show, it's a, it's a great way to get to know us and what we do. And holy shit, the polls this week are some of the best collection of polls we've had maybe ever. Um, every Tuesday, we run Instagram polls at Sword Chomp, and you vote, and we discuss. Uh, polls this week include the PT, or Silent Hill's Unreal Fan Remake, Bungie Separating from Activision, uh, a lot of thoughts about that, Dino Crisis Remake, maybe? Team Claire or Team Leon, when it comes to the Resident Evil 2 remake, Sea of Thieves rising Twitch popularity? confusing everyone including us and does baraka from mortal kombat need a dentist named crentist all that and more on this week's chomp cast <laughs> but let's get to some intros the good news for our listeners the return of our valiant hero uh we pat we, <laughs> we put out an apb you know last week uh missing milk cartons the whole deal and uh we got a notification um, late that evening, uh, much to our relief, that um, Fish, the Filipino Johnny Depp, was spotted leaving an exotic nightclub called The Pole Position, which is a race car-themed nightclub in Texas. Um, so he's safe and sound and, and returned to us. How are you doing this week, Fish? Doing good. Doing good. I don't know exactly what a pole position is as far as racing goes. Could you, you don't... Uh, could you elaborate on that a little bit for me, Morgan? We've never heard of of the pole position when it comes to racing. No. Can, can anybody that? help? Can anybody help fish out here? Throw me a line. Anybody like on the crew? Anybody else? It's, it's when you're close one? enough for the sweat to sweat to kind of whip off and hit you in the face as they swing around. <laughs> hmm. So, is this, so are they making like donuts around on the stage? Skid marks and all? I don't uh, know. You really never mind. Never never well Yeah, yeah. this you, this one opens yeah. it up for way too Skid marks are really not something you're looking so. for in no. Let's let's stop here. Let's, yeah. <laughs> skid, the skid That's marks not something are something you're looking for, oh. Josh. Yeah. yeah. But Maybe somebody yeah. else, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the pole position fish is the most favorable position at the start of an auto- automobile race, typically on the inside of the front row of competitors. 
Oh, okay. Interesting. And copyright that. By the pole. Pops up somewhere. <laughs> That's a pretty good name for a club, right? The pole position? I like it. Um, other than the whole race car thing. But he revs his engine good, but he's they're, back. They're uh, only, only allowed, allowed to spin on that pole counterclockwise. Yes, that's the, that's the rule. Just the only left-hand rule. turns. Yeah. One direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be an interesting science experiment. <laughs> like, testing the acceleration of a stripper on a stripper pole. You know, you have the velocity, and then you got the direction of where she's going. Mm-hmm. It'd be more physics-based than anything, obviously, but... And you calculate your tip based on the... You know, the best velocity, basically. Best well, th- I was thinking more like the acceleration in accordance with the money that's, like, on the stage. You know, like, you got a $1 bill. And, you know, like, the her direction is not going to be quite as focused there, so the acceleration in that direction is not going to be that great. But you see someone who has a $20 bill, that acceleration is going to drastically change. <laughs> I heard you can fish it and hold up twenty dollar bills. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, fish is gonna be over I there. See this bitch spin, tipping the pit crew. <laughs> uh, fish pit crew is all the guys who want to lap dance from here. <laughs> He's tipping all the other people who want to lap dance. Here you go, buddy. It's on crew. me. Pit crew. That's what they could. They could call the Viet, the private dance room. Just a little sign. The pit crew. Um. He's holding up that $20 bill like a checkered flag. But no, Fish, I'm glad you're here. Uh, <laughs> woo! Woo! <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you look, you look, I don't know what it is. You look crisper, clearer. Maybe it's a, a startling new resolution, some might say. Why, why do you think that is? Oh, maybe, maybe it's a new year. I don't know. Maybe I made some resolutions that I'm not aware of. No, keep thinking. I'm dragging you into something that you did since you've been gone for a long time that involves resolution. Perhaps 4,000 pixels? Oh, 4,000 pixels? Yeah. Some would say 4K, yes. Some would say 4K, there we go. Yes, I've been been playing actually, uh, so I have access to a 4K TV now, and I have an Xbox One X, so... um, I started playing Red Dead Redemption 2 on a 4K TV, and um, I don't know, I guess it's a big, a much bigger jump from, you know, uh, standard HD television, uh, what I was using, and uh, Xbox One, the original, so, um, yeah. Have you been able to try a lot of, a lot of games on there? I know Red Dead, Monster Hunter, Sea of Thieves, like, is it drastically noticeable in your eyes, the difference in, uh? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and not just the pixels, but also the colors, um, because it it does have support HDR on there as well on the TV. And um, having HDR really make I I don't know, like it makes everything else pop out. All the colors just seem to stand out in a way that doesn't feel like it's just one like type of color going on in the screen. So. HDR definitely is something that I also notice uh, on a 4K TV um, huh. go, going along with the bump in the resolution. But um, yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2 has been looking pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Have you, um, 
That's cool. Yeah, everyone, hats off to Fish. He has streamed a lot this week. The Twitch has been popping. Fish had three streams this week. One of them was three hours long, which is very unfish-esque. So mm-hmm. congratulations, mm-hmm. Fish. Getting Thank that you. Twitch going. Was it that That's- hard? I no, actually, we... I actually enjoy like uh, streaming to people. Like uh, I kind of feed off of other people's energies, I guess, in mm-hmm. the chat room. And and I know that I, you've been there as well. So like you would kind of guide me along through the game as well. So, um, it, it's just a lot more fun knowing that you have an audience seeing what you're doing and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm there yapping away. It's good for you because I can only type, so you don't have to hear me barking in your ear obnoxiously mm-hmm. over and over. Do this, yeah. do that, do this. <laughs> um, but if you want to catch Fish's Redemption and the ongoing series we have, check out our YouTube and our Twitch. Um, we'll see how long that carries on for because it's a lot of fun. I actually, uh, so thanks for being here today, Fish. Glad to have you back. Um, Thank you. Of course, from Michigan, Joshua Fowler is here. Uh, Josh, I saw some pretty cool news this week that I thought you'd be excited about. If if not for you, maybe other people, and that's that your uh, Game of the Year crosscode has actually got a official Switch announcement trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. Because the, uh, the Switch especially seems to really get how to advertise for the indie games on their platform. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that, like, on their news page mm-hmm. like it constantly has smaller games um like just right there on the front page very often which is really cool um i saw i'm blanking on the name of the publisher but it was it was another smaller indie company um mm-hmm. basically with publishing their stats on you know different sales on the different consoles yeah. and the switch was like so so huge um a proportion compared to PC and PS4 and Xbox just because they're mm-hmm. they're able to just get the get the word out to everybody on the switch so much better whereas like yeah yeah stuff just gets buried on the other other storefronts it is interesting it is. Yeah, like Into the Breach, for example, a game I played tons of a couple weeks ago after our Game of the Year show. I played so much more of that on the Switch because of the convenience. I probably played mm-hmm. that more than even Zelda and Mario, and those are incredible games, but just because of the, the the convenience. So that has sort of become the Switch's namesake, you know, I think, especially for a lot of, like, I know people in the media, they can, if they live in bigger cities, they can try all these indie games they're going to talk about on their podcasts on the way to work mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's nice. Yeah. Really nice. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Who would have thought Nintendo would be leading the way with indie games? Yeah, really. I was probably wouldn't have called that coming into this generation, but it really, no, really has panned out well for them. It has. It really has. Well, that's cool. I'm excited to, uh, uh, for us and maybe some other people to try to finally lay into that a little bit when it's all, it didn't have a date. They didn't announce a date with it, sadly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's probably going to be a pretty big rework in order to get it to run on the switch unless there's like there wasn't wasn't a lot announced with that announcement saying you know like a date or anything but unless there's unless there's something going on like kind of dev kit side 
like on Nintendo's mm-hmm. end to make it easier for them. It from the last thing they'd announced before saying they were coming to Switch was that it would probably be pretty hard rework to get it to to operate they want it the way they wanted it to on the Switch. Well, yeah, so. I remember you saying that on our Game of the Year show how it was coded. You didn't, th- mm-hmm. you actually didn't think. I was like, oh, this when this comes to the Switch, it'll be great. And you're like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, the, the, the devs had specifically said that it was just given the way um the language you're, languages you were allowed to use on the switch they'd kind of have yeah. to rework a lot of it so yeah it just it didn't seem like something they were you know pushing for a bunch but then again yeah this the switch is just such a good platform yeah. for indies at the moment i i can see how they would have gotten talked into it <laughs> yeah they have any other indie developer friends out there probably dude you got to get this thing on here mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah get this thing out there um so that's cool all right well we're glad you're here josh of course as usual and uh up next from japan professor layton shay layton's here shay cramming a little resident evil before the show my partner in resident evil crime here. yeah yeah that's that's me forever cramming Mm-hmm. Shay Cramming. Uh, I'm cramming. It's cram um, time with Shay on the Twitch. Where for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to try and play a game as quick as I can, not pay attention to any story because I have something to do in the next 10 minutes. So let's get to it. Yeah. Shay <laughs> with your drive time cram time. In the AM. Cram, 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 cram. Cook a cram. Sorry, going to. <laughs> <laughs> nah, well, yeah, you I... guys really pushed that cram joke hmm. <laughs> farther than I expected it, was, it to go. It was worth it. It was a good joke. We, we got it. No, um, yeah, I wanted something to talk about this week. I didn't have a lot of. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to play video games this week. I. I uh, I don't know how much I can say because I don't know. <laughs> like I was, I had interviewed for a different job a few weeks ago, and I was considering taking it, and then I decided to turn it down because it's even though it was more money, it was uh, like there's a lot of benefits for taking this job. It's not science, and right now I'm trying to get back into the science field after having my two years of fun in Japan. So it was really hard to turn down the, the better money, uh, the better conditions and everything. But yeah. uh, I was stressing well, about that this turned week. Turned down for what? Um, <laughs> weep, weep, weep. Um, you got me. No, uh. no, so stressing about that. Um, I have an open lesson next week, which basically means a bunch of people in my area, a bunch of teachers come and basically critique me really hard. So I've been doing a lot of work with that this week. It's it's just been a really stressful well, week. Um, I got my tax information back here in Japan, so I've been trying to figure out how to do that. It's just adult shit, you know. I didn't I didn't yeah. prioritize video games this week, unfortunately. So it was Shay Cramming time uh, before mm-hmm. the podcast. Well, I mean, you can't be too hard on yourself because Resident Evil just came out yesterday, so it's only been available for one day. Mm-hmm. You're not true, that, true. You're tomorrow, not... tomorrow, I'm going to be playing it though for sure. For sure, I'm going to be playing it tomorrow. And then oh, I was shit. talking with Fish about cool Kring- Kingdom, Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> A little bit, Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, we had this cool like sharing thing going on where Shay's still able 
to get all of my games via the Xbox sharing, which is fascinating. And I added Fish to my account so f- me and Fish can trade games. Like, he's been playing my Red Dead for free. So we have this nice, like, system of sharing if we do it right. Where It's nice. Can... You know, it's, it's funny. You know, I booted mm-hmm. up the Xbox, and I was like, I'm going to just at least get this download going this morning. And... I booted up the Xbox and it immediately started downloading. I was like, oh, that's nice. That's, that's real nice. Like, I didn't have to do anything. Um, so I just, I left that on while I watched the first two episodes of the new season of Star Trek. So, yeah. Do you catch up on uh, True Detective? <laughs> of course you do. No. No? Okay, fine. You know what? You know what? I'll Dude, watch it after You didn't even this. like the last season of Star Trek. I talked to you about it. You said it wasn't that great. I know. God. Forever a mystery. Forever vexing me. You know, this this second season so far has been phenomenal, for what it's worth. Second season has been much better. So, um, I was actually, I messaged one of my students about it because uh, he is a, uh, I believe he's a chemist, um, one of my adult students here, and he loves Star Trek too. So I was like, we were talking about it a bit last night. I was like, dude, you got to watch the second season. So, yeah. I'm really excited. It's the second season is much better than the first season so far, but it's only two episodes in. Yeah, we'll see. All right, we'll see. Um, okay. Well, I guess we'll get around to that TD eventually. Yeah, five um, years from now. <laughs> uh, I, I of course am General Mountain Time uh, from Montana. I will say. I guess I can kind of get this out of the way now because I streamed today and it was actually a pretty good stream because I got the stream during the day. So there was actually a good amount of people there, which surprised me. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. You're trying to, to get our, we're trying to get our streaming legs going. Uh, Twitch.com slash sword chomp. If for some reason you are not there yet, you should get there. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I put the link up on our Instagram today too. Yeah. It's, it's a new challenge for us, I think, because we're playing, I'm playing a lot of these games anyway. So it's challenging myself. Like for example, today when I was doing resident evil, I had the light on, um, which is not how I wanted to play the game, but you wouldn't be able to see me if I was playing in the dark. So <laughs> it was kind of, and I was kind of like trying to make it, to, I will uh, say this, you need to get a ball cap and a book light and just attach that thing yeah. to the top. <laughs> <laughs> I should. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something real, real ghetto. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I think playing a game like that on Twitch actually forced me to play it a little bit more thoroughly because that game is all about backtracking and finding weird little doors and strange objects and clues, right? So trying to be as thorough as I can and talk through it and everything on Twitch, I think actually helped me um, play it more thoroughly. And I, I won't go too deep into my first impressions because I learned in the past that playing a game for one day in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really mean much. Um, but I will say, to answer our listeners' question of the week, which we'll get to, I don't know about the zombie... Man, the game is a lot of fun. It's super nostalgic, and I am really digging it so far. But uh, not scary. On a scale of 1 to 10, my scare scale is at like a 0. So, um, so mm. far. Do with that what you will. I don't know. It's, and you know what drives me crazy, Josh? You put like five bullets into a zombie's head before they die and it's just i was mm. like I, I i wanted to play on easy because i thought that would make it a little more less irritating but i was like well if i play this on stream and i'm playing on easy people are going to judge me so <laughs> i do not want to do that <laughs> but with the resident evil games one thing they do that's kind of frustrating is uh the higher difficulties just mean that they take more bullets so i was putting them right into the head too i mean i was just if you watch that stream when it goes up it was just like 
an entire clip into the zombie's head and it got back up again. And I was like, well, fuck, that's great. So mm-hmm. um, eventually it works itself out. You just have to do the thing where you run from zombies and then grab more ammo and come back to them and stuff. It's a, it's a whole thing because the areas are kind of um, cyclical. Like you do a lot of backtracking, but yeah, I don't know. I've just never been a fan of that whole five shots to the head to kill a zombie thing. Drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They kind of got, they've gone back and forth on that. The earlier games were definitely like that. Cause you couldn't, really aim at the head so i'm wondering if they're trying yeah. to get that same feel across but now that you can aim at their heads it feels even more strange i think it'd be probably be too easy in their eyes like if, mm. if it was just one or two hits to pop the head you would have a lot of extra ammo and i think it'd be too easy which is yeah. is i agree it would yeah but, well you think they just yeah. i don't know make them more aggressive or just put more yeah. of them there something something well, well that's Resident Evil 4 actually um, incorporated like a melee kill where you could stagger the enemy mm-hmm. with a few shots and then run up close to them and do a yeah. melee kill, and which is usually something with your knife or uh, I think Leon actually suplexed the zombies. And <laughs> it, was, like a zombie uh, suplex. it was contextual depending on how you staggered them and how you approached them. Like if you, yeah, yeah, if you like hit them from behind. With your mm-hmm. melee, he'd like flip them over backwards and smash their heads with with a suplex, and then, yeah, yeah, he had like I don't know, well, like four of them or something. Bunch of different environmental kills there with that. Yeah. Next, coming yeah. to the arena, John mm-hmm. Cena. Da, 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 da. Hmm. Da, 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 da. <laughs> he knows the John Cena theme song too proudly. Sadly, I know it too. I don't know why. We all know it. <laughs> that was um, a meme for a while. What isn't a meme for a while? Huh. Fish has been a meme for a while, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it makes me the most happy when I see someone steal a meme from us without realizing I've doctored it, and it's just like fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like someone stealing this meme and posting it without realizing I've <laughs> put fish's face on there, yeah. Yeah, fished it up. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting to the point that he goes ultra viral though, if that's mm-hmm. even yeah, a thing. it's got to be yeah something more. Legit. All of a sudden, Johnny Depp stumbles <laughs> across it. Who the fuck is this? <laughs> Filipino Johnny Depp. <laughs> ultra well, I viral. I guess I gotta like get him a fucking private helicopter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ultra viral sounds like something you'd see in Resident Evil. On that note, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> also sounds like a super AIDS. No. No. <laughs> Age jokes don't fly here, Shay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that's the uh, that's the that's the uh, tipping point right there. That's where we stop, <laughs> I guess. That's the feline AIDS. That's the line, maybe. Okay, but that's it. Yeah. Um. Oh, that reminds me. Shay can probably back this up. Fish, you have 10 seconds to respond. This is your random animal question of the week. Why do animals eat their afterbirth and it's not just for the nutrients? Go. Because they can smell the weakness on them. No. It's for the extra nutrients. No, the nutrients is part of the answer. That's right. But there's another okay. fold to that that I thought was fascinating. No? Nothing? <laughs> Fish, your joke answer was close. It's because predators can smell it from a distance and it can lure them to the den of their babies. 
Oh. And it gives them nutrients. Isn't nature amazing? It is. It's actually, I, I've talked about this before. That's one reason why some animals, um, one of their adaptations is coprophagy, which is basically mm-hmm. eating their own feces. Because yeah. if there's an, uh, like an environment that is nutrient deprived, they will basically eat their own feces so they can get some of those nutrients that their body didn't absorb the first time. Nothing will be more horrifying than the first time I saw my dog eat one of my cat's fresh poops. <laughs> I will never forget that. Yeah. It was just the most horrifying thing. Like, literally you fresh feeding out him the enough. ass, too. He's like, God damn it! I need more food! I, it was just It was a horrible. cry for help, Morgan, and you didn't respond. <laughs> I, I responded by wanting to get rid of that dog. No, I'm just kidding. Um, responded by beating his ass. <laughs> no, but... Uh, the, the, the zombie question, I think, is interesting, and that's what we posed uh, as we're talking about Resident Evil here. Um, I'll save most of my thoughts for next week because we can really break it down. I'll just say that the nostalgic side of it I'm really enjoying. I have the original soundtrack playing, uh, and it plays well. It's just the zombies—it's not scary at all for me, uh, and the zombies do feel dated. But this is the, the delicate nature of the question is there's all kinds of zombie. There's many kinds of zombie out there, you know? So, and these are like the by the book most zombie ass zombies that you can get, you know? Uh, and they do a great job of trying, like, they're doing the best interpretation of trying to make those zombies scary. So it's not the developer's fault. It's sort of like the, the uh, material that they're working with by nature. So, um, anyways, so a couple, I'm going to throw these in throughout the show. A couple good ones here. Let's see. I asked our Sword Chomp community at Sword Chomp on Instagram, you know, are zombies scary? Starving for a 4.0 said, well, I suppose on how the zombies are done. If the zombies are well thought out, designed to fit the setting of the story, I believe that they can be scary in the right moment. That being said, zombies are not as scary as they once were, being quite overused. Um, Andy Cash 64 said, I think at this point most audiences may have become desensitized to the zombie concept. However, any video game that uses suspense and art direction in the right way will still scare the shit out of you. Keep you on the edge of your seat and engaged, in my opinion. Hmm. Let's see. Grab one more for now. We're going to throw these in throughout the show because there's a lot. Um, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And then Shay's got some from the Twitter, too. Corn in Space said, no, zombies are so played out. No pun intended. Okay, maybe a little. Um, zombies played. What's the pun there? I don't, what am I missing? Zombies are played out. Oh, played out. Maybe video games. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. I think that works. Gotcha, corn space. Gotcha. Where it doesn't even amuse me anymore. If we look back in the early 2000s, we see a plethora of zombie titles where I felt like it was overused. Let there be new ideas. Well, in this case, it's a remake, so I'm not going to harp on them too much for the new idea thing. You know, it is a remake. Uh, Shay, do you, you want to grab one from the Twitter real quick of, as we kind of move on here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me pop my phone. On open really quick. I got at Swordchomp on Twitter. Uh, Shay might grab some of these from time to time, and if you're a Twitter follower, you can say right. peace. That's right. So we had Mister Headquarters, who is uh, our neutral. Our neutral. I can't talk today. <laughs> Fuck. Is our new uh, Patreon member. So welcome, Mister Headquarters. Uh, so he said it's time to stop. Let us miss it for a bit. Let a new generation tell these stories later. The genre has gone stale, in my opinion. There are better, more interesting ways of telling stories 
of post-apocalyptia such as Horizon. And um, if it's all right with you, I want to actually open the floor a bit, bit because this, like, sure, yeah. that comment actually really sparked a lot of thoughts on me, and it actually went deeper than and more broad at the same time than just zombies. That I think in the past 10 years, we've seen this huge influx of post-apocalyptic movies, and a lot of them are these doom and gloom tales. Like, we think about, like, Book of Eli, or we think about The Road, or we think, uh, you know, the Dead Rising series. We think about all these different series, Left for Dead. It's, a lot of it is just this doom and gloom. And, I mean, that's a, largely what post-apocalyptia is supposed to be. But you take something like Horizon Zero Dawn, um, which is a different spin on post-apocalyptia. It wasn't about, you know, like, like the the worst parts of humanity and how they handle like the, the, the stress of the world basically having died off and starting to come back. It's like in, in uh horizon zero dawn, the world, you know, it collapsed like technology and civilization collapsed. They've recovered and now they're learning how to live. They've learned how to live post apocalyptia. And it's more of kind of like this, beat post civilization or this post apocalyptic civilization bit you know like most of the games like fallout were in the throes of civilization being rebuilt and with something like horizon zero dawn that civilization has already been established and we're basically discovering you know instead of how to build that civilization how it is perpetuated and how it will continue to perpetuate going forward. And that's, that's really, uh, that's one of the, the topics that Star Trek has actually talked about a lot is, you know, like things happen like anomalies in space and like a ship crash lands on a planet. And that, that topic has been done in many different ways in Star Trek. And a lot of times Star Trek kind, kind of tries to explore how these civilizations adapt and thrive post this happening. Now that's not post-apocalyptia, but it's, you know, it's like this tragic event. And I think that it would be interesting to approach post-apocalyptia that way. So we look at something like a zombie, a zombie um, game, or we look at zombie media and we're looking at immediately what happens like the post-apocalyptic event, and then we look at stuff like The Walking Dead, and it's just how do they survive? How do they assemble civilization again? And it would be interesting to see a story of what happens if they succeed. You know, the zombies are played out. Let's see a story of what happens in a world where they do overcome the zombie outbreak, where they do manage to get civilization thriving again. Kind of like an Attack on Titan scenario where, you know, they have established this civilization, but they still have to um, learn to adapt to the zombies or they've overcome zombies completely. You know, take the zombies if you want and push it further past the initial event, past the how do we build civilization again. Have it built and let's see what happens then. Maybe it becomes more drama than horror and suspense, but maybe that's what we need. 
Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like, it's it's always interesting because once, and a lot of the ones where it's completely post-apocalyptic, like society has already reformed. Um, the way it's reformed is always it kind of makes or breaks it in a lot of ways. Um, Whether or not that's an interesting take to some people. Um, I mean, stuff like, for example, Waterworld is kind of probably one of the, you know, main one that gets, you know, picked on an awful lot because it doesn't feel like they put an awful lot of thought into the society that went here. It's just, (laughs) oh, well, I guess we're all on boats now. Um, Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I I I do feel like that's a space that definitely should be explored more, like you're saying. Yeah. I think the tricky thing is too like I think people are pretty aware of that because if you look at Days Gone, it's a big game that's coming out that's zombie infested. It does not have a lot of positive buzz and and most of it is oh, more zombies. I think you know even Resident Evil has moved on from zombies. Um, you know, and, and I think the interesting thing about this remake is that it is tied to its original source material, so they have no choice. So I think for nostalgia's sake, it will be more effective on that note as opposed to a pure horror's sake. You know what I mean? Like, the nostalgia will be effective more than probably the dread because we're dealing with source material from 1997. It was, and, and, you know what I mean? It's a different thing. And the atmosphere in Resident Evil is creepy in other ways. Like, it's just weird. Like, that world is just weird. Yeah. It's got a strangeness to just everything you're seeing. Yeah. That is yeah. creepier in a lot of ways than just the zombies. Like, why exactly like is the- this clock here hiding a door yeah. behind it. Like, who, who well, was living here before the zombies got here? Right, and part of, part of why that, that game was so scary for us back in the day were, really was the camera angles and the way they managed those camera angles. And that was, you know, kind of the worst part. You'd be running down a hallway and you'd be running towards the, can- like, towards the TV screen and then all of a sudden yeah. the zombie jumps out of the window and tries to grab you. And it's, yeah. it's always like, that was such a big part of it, like less about the zombies and more about the camera angles, because they would put these weird camera angles and you'd be like, fuck, what's about to happen? <laughs> yeah. Like, and then yeah. nothing does happen. And then it would kind of, you know, you'd have like six or seven rooms where you're going through and you have all these weird camera angles and you're like, okay, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. And you kind of get lulled in this false sense of security that things are okay. And then you go into this other room and then bam, it just fucking gets you because you've been lulled. And actually Resident Evil seven did that to some degree too. Not quite with the camera angles, but you'd go into room after room after room, nothing would happen. And then you pop into one room and then bam, you just get hit. Uh, the series has always been not just Resident Evil two, all of them, not a lot of them, I should say have been really kind of predicated on that. Just lulling you into this false sense of security and then just hitting you at the right moment. They've a lot of these games have had really good pacing. And I think Resident Evil 2, that's one of the most underrated things about this game. Um you know, not to get too far into the Resident Evil 2 conversation yet, but pacing has always been so good. And I think that when when it comes to integrating zombies effectively, it has to be done with really good pacing. So either you're going to go for the slow, creepy 
suspenseful vibe like Resident Evil 2, which is why it was so effective. Or you have to go fucking balls to the walls like World War Z and Left 4 Dead. I think those are the two formats where zombies are most effective. You look at other stuff or other forms of media, um, they just haven't been as effective or just as scary in general. But I like I feel like people now who are saying that zombies are played out, I agree to some extent. I'm like, and I'm a huge zombie stan. You know, I'm I'm arg- arguably the biggest one on this podcast. And if you were to put a Left 4 Dead 3 game out, I guarantee you people would eat it up. You know? Yeah. Hmm. People would mm-hmm. love that. And that's because it's frenetic. And that's what makes zombies scary uh, to a lot of people, is that frenetic nature. Yeah. Uh, for, well, yeah, for me, you know, like, when I think about it, yeah, go like Left 4 yeah. Dead specifically had some scary zombies because it was made to be a co-op game. Like, you really don't stand much of a chance in that game by yourself. Um, and because of that, it makes the zombies much scarier. Like, it's something you need to kind of work with your your team to overcome. And that really, it really makes them a lot scarier. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the different types. Yeah, being overwhelmed by... Well, being overwhelmed by the zombies in that game, uh, Left 4 Dead, was like that it it caused a certain a certain amount of dread in individual players even as a group like you really had to pull together to kind of you know take on those big hordes of zombies um mm-hmm. and if if you're the type that just wants to sit off and like kind of go solo in those situations where you are with a group but you want to kind of hold your own ground you're going to be overwhelmed because the game just doesn't allow you to do that type of stuff um and a lot of games like that do that like that that's where they they hit it well as far as like creating that dread and as far as with uh using the zombies in the game um mm-hmm. but, yeah 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 zombies in their traditional sense for me no but Every, I think most people are kind of expanding upon the idea of what a zombie. What are the zombie or the what are the creatures like in The Last of Us? Aren't they like zombie esque? They're cordyceps essentially, but that have evolved to uh, control humans. So you end up with, um, and have also like a few other adaptations just to kind of make them their own thing. For example, cordyceps. Like, What's a cordyceps? A cordyceps is a f- fungus. That oh, uh, okay, okay. mind controls insects in order to get them oh, eaten so they can reproduce. Like, in, yeah, uh, okay. Like okay, ants okay. specifically. They'll make ants climb up to the top of tall grass and stuff that, yeah. and get eaten. I've seen. <laughs> um, but they're That's like that up. for That's people. That's so fucked up. Um, it's like the happening with Andrew yeah, Shyamalan. Yeah, it, but like the way they kind of grow in these people, like they'll eventually, you know, like bloom and grow out of their heads to the point where their eyes are completely taken over. So they have yeah. to use echolocation to find you. So you end up with zombies that will like click and like your, your, your noise in that game is way more important than in a lot of other games. Like if you're making a bunch of noise running around and stuff, they'll, they'll find you a lot more. Like you can kind of sneak right by them if you're really mm-hmm. quiet. It's, it's, 
it's actually a really good take on zombies just because of the, you know, the different rule set that you're working with in just traditional zombies. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the zombie template can be taken so many ways. And look at The Last of Us. That's one of the biggest, most critically acclaimed game out there. And those are technically like a variation of a zombie, sort of. Yeah. It's just done in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yes, they're scared. I don't even know anymore. Maybe the answer is yes. I'm <laughs> conflicted. I would just say in their traditional sense, probably not. Um, Xmaster91 said, in a dark and confined environment like Resident Evil, yes, Resident Evil makes them scary by making them an actual threat, taking multiple shots to take them down and not being able to simply run past them. I would say it makes it more stressful for me as opposed to scary, but that's a good point. I think a lot of people still do find this kind of thing scary and everyone's different mm-hmm. you know like my wife yeah, can't even watch yeah. horror movies so everyone has a different sense of fear mm-hmm. i guess yeah yeah with with that specific comment it's interesting because we've kind of seen this um evolution with zombie stories that you know they kind of went from initially being something that was really difficult to kill to just a one headshot type of thing and so for me actually when i was playing the resident evil 2 demo i was like god damn these are taking forever to kill but i forgot that's you know that's how zombies initially started out they were these things that were Mm -hmm. really difficult to kill and if you didn't figure out how to kill them as quick as possible then you would get overwhelmed and that was part of what made zombies so appealing in the first place it wasn't just this like super easy i take a magical wrench that can all of a sudden be imbued with these powers that will crush skull and mm-hmm. skin, even if it is rotten, you know, like it took multiple um, hits to kill a zombie. And if you didn't do it quick, you got overwhelmed. And that's part of what the, the appeal was for zombies. And it, it's kind of moved away from that. So, you know, you go back into resident evil two or an older zombie story and it's like that. And you're like, well, shit, why is it like that? Um, you forget that that progression has happened over the years. So I think that was part of what yeah. the initial appeal was, is that overwhelming feeling because the zombies were so difficult to kill. Also, yeah. And also for me, the thing that I, I wrote down, this was like the only, my one note about zombies that stuck with me my whole life was the thing that always gets me the most when I watch any sort of zombie media is the fear of getting like, um, like the blood on you or touched by them. Because what normally happens is if you're bit, or like you get their blood in your mouth or something, you sort of become like a ticking time bomb, right? So like the thing that always got me, like when someone would stab a zombie in the face, I'm like, oh, check, dude, check your mouth or something. It's splattered all over you, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to get that. So like for me, the scariest part of the whole zombie thing was always like the viral aspect of it. Like I'm going to somehow catch this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah I mean, that's, that's like, kind of what brought them to yeah. popularity so much was the whole... Yeah, that that whole aspect was played up. Like that 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 was that was the selling point for so long, and it worked so well. Um, but yeah, people are trying to tell different stories with zombies now, and in a lot of a lot of ways, the zombies don't fit in a lot of the stories. They're just kind of there, and it just in, unless there's a specific reason for them to be there. Like a lot of times, they're either not scary or just some other monster would make more sense. Like it would do just work better. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad. I'm just happy. Resident evil isn't just zombies. There's other stuff in there. 
Uh, Shade, is there another one on the Twitter that you wanted to read or no? Yeah, there's one other quick one, and it's not oh. like a huge talking point, but uh, Steve Bastic um, at Plus One Bastic said, I will never get enough of the zombie genre. I'm right there with you, buddy. Always interested to see what new stories come from it. It's why I'm very interested in Days Gone. Um, so there's definitely some buzz for Days Gone, but it's not a ton because a lot of people do think that zombies are played out. You know, we, we talked about it a little bit last week. You look at the ratings of The Walking Dead. They're at an all-time low. Um, we've talked about the studios that have closed that were big zombie game front runners or whatever you want to call it. And it, it, it is a largely played out concept, unfortunately. It's a largely played out trope. But I still think that there's some value in it, even if it's kind of a more cult following at this point which I'm having, mm-hmm. I, I get this distinct feeling at this point, zombies are more of a, a cult favorite than the overwhelmingly large favorite. I mean, like, I remember a few years ago, just the hype with The Walking Dead. Like, I would pop on, and everyone on my feed would just be talking about the new episode. And, you know, I had to screen and, like, filter out certain words because, like, I didn't want to be spoiled. And, you know, you had these people talking about, like, oh, if this character dies, I'm going to quit watching the show. Like they've been they've been at it for so long that now people are like, do people even still care about this series constantly? And I think that's kind of indicative of um that it's for the for the mass audiences it's become played out, unfortunately. You know, it's in our culture things cycle out a lot. You look at stuff like anything, you look at fashion, you look at music, you look at um tropes and movies tropes and games it cycles out and yeah i th- i think it's just that zombies are kind of at the end of their their hysteria so to speak and they'll still be around um you know it's not like like you know people say rock and roll is dead and like rock rock still exists but you know obviously hip hop and country and dance music are more popular right now it doesn't mean that things go away. It just means that they become more cult-ish. Like, they become more appreciated by lesser audiences. And I think that's what, inevitably, what's going to end up having happening with the zombie genre is just less people enjoy it. But the people who do enjoy it will appreciate it so much more because it's still around and um, they still love it. So... I, yeah. I'm glad that yeah, there are it definitely goes in cycles in like way. that. Like, yeah. consider all the rom coms that were so popular when <laughs> we were growing up, and then yeah. now it's all superhero movies. Like, it's it's just a similar sort of thing with, you know, just different different tastes coming and going. So, absolutely, I think we're even like, I think we're seeing kind of the beginning of the end of superheroes uh being popular yeah, well, in this era right now. Yeah, we're getting the deconstructions of them at this point with stuff like Logan and uh, yeah, like it's I I don't think they're going to go away, but no. yeah, I I I think they're not the sure thing everyone thought they were for the longest time cuz I mean just look at the you know, atrocities that DC has inflicted upon us in the, you know, the last couple attempts at it. Yeah. Um, 
Like it's not not just a sure thing. So yeah, I, th- I think I'm people cu- are going to yeah. kind of hop it's, off that train before too much longer. I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah. It's interesting because some some of the best movies from last year were still superhero movies. But I think what what's mm-hmm. starting to happen is we're starting to see an oversaturation or we're starting to see just some of them like not as much quality as being well, put into them. I mean, yeah, Aquaman like the good ones from last year last were kind of yeah, like different takes on it though. They weren't just like the straightforward Oh, here's a superhero movie sort of thing. It was kind of, yeah. If you look at it that way, then we look at Split, which is a different take. And (laughs) that movie was okay. It was decent. But I I think what we're, like, I don't think that superheroes movies are going to go away. And I don't think that they're not, I think they're still going to be largely popular for the next few years. But I think what we're, I think we've hit kind of the, the asymptote we've we've hit the apex at this point like we're at the very top of that and it's just going to slowly start coming down you know after the, the new avengers movie comes out i think what we're going to see is we we've been on the rise the whole time we're going to start to see the fall now over the next few years that's just my prediction you know the zombie the zombie genre is kind of almost off that that elevation of you know being on that mm-hmm. apex you know it's almost come back down to its normal popularity but yeah. it's interesting to well, think about it's... too because like hmm. you think about the trajectory like um i posted it on the twitter white zombie a movie i had never even heard of was the very first zombie movie and then 40 years later george romero released uh dawn of the dead and that those movies were both really big cult hits mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead was a cult hit. It wasn't a mass media hit. Mm-hmm. And the mass media didn't start accepting zombies until about 2006, 2007. And that was kind of the release of mm-hmm. Dead Rising, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, the, gra- the graphic no- novels of The Walking Dead started picking up steam at around that time. Just like, that's, that was the rise of it. And it's just interesting to always see those kind of trajectories of something when it mm-hmm. starts out as a cult hit, just suddenly take off. And it's always cool to be a part of those kind of things. So really, you know, our generation gotta be a part of got to be a part of that rise of zombies into just being this mass popular. Yeah, it's interesting. Item, you know? Like I think The Walking Dead was kind of the apex and also the destroyer of zombies. At the it same was. time, because I, in my opinion, it was so popular, and the zombies didn't need to be in that show. Like in the comic books, they kind of they do a little bit more with it, but really, that could have been any post-apocalyptic setting because the interesting things happening in that show have to do with the bad guys they're dealing with. It's all the human relationships going on there. Yeah, the zombies yeah, exactly. are really secondary as to what's going on there. Um, Weren't they usually though? Zombies are almost no, usually... no. Like in a lot of, especially the early ones, like there, there's a lot of metaphor that whoever unleashed the zombies or something like that. Like they're 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 trying to get another point across by the threat being zombies specifically. Whereas The Walking Dead, I feel like. It could have just been any nuclear war or, you know, government collapse or whatever. Could have mm-hmm. been the instigation yeah. for basically the rest of the stories they ended up telling. 
Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. What was, that was the nice thing about? Um, oh, go ahead, Morgan. The Far Cry when they the Far Cry Five said, "No, let's don't do zombies. Let's do meth heads. Crazy meth heads. <laughs> That's all we need." Right. The well, same thing. Fast moving meth heads that can shoot <laughs> guns. <laughs> yep. It was fascinating. Is when the Walking Dead series came out. Uh, first started coming out on TV, not the graphic novels. I remember like there being this influx in the media of people worried about there being actual scientists or actual zombies. And mm-hmm. there was some scientists actually working on developing this kind of, uh, this not vaccination, this, uh, I I'm spacing the word right now. Terrible scientist, apparently containment. Um, it's like some sort of like formula, I guess that basically could reanimate the dead. Um, this was something that was circulating through the news when The Walking Dead, in its first few years of being released, and, like, there was this, all this fear about it um, in media, and it was it was really interesting. And I think that was a big part of the driving force for why that show became so popular. And it's, it's right now why you look at, like, why uh, true crime and serial killers are fucking huge right now. That is the big thing. One of the big things with media besides superhero movies is true crime and serial killers. Like mm-hmm. I pop on social media and whenever I do, I guarantee it like a quarter of the time. That's what someone is talking about. You know, I go to, um, I'm looking at, you know, some podcast stuff on the side. Like you go to the Reddit sub forum for podcasts or subreddit for podcasts. And people are constantly asking about true crime podcasts, you know, like, that's the yeah. big thing that's, you know, creeping up on its on its own apex. And it's just it's interesting to see how that kind of coincides with news and what whatnot when something is popular. And like you're saying, Josh, to kind of bring it around to your point, zombies in something like The Walking Dead, they were never the focal point. And now if you watch the show, because I, I'm not caught up to the newest season. Um it's one of the things I've stuck with, even though it's not the greatest TV show in the world, you know, I've still, there are moments that I enjoy. And for me, mm-hmm. it justifies continuing watching. But zombies are never the focal point anymore. And it, like, to me, exactly what you're saying, yeah. why are they still in the show? Because, like, like, literally, it'll be, like, someone running, they're like, oh, we need to get some more supplies, and then it'll show, like, a few sequences of them just going, ugh, and just, you know, like, hitting a zombie with, like, a bat or something, and then just then they'll keep running and then they'll get somewhere and it's like, oh shit, we are, as predicted, being surrounded by zombies. And it's like, it's these same things that they're recycling over and over yeah, again. Yeah. And it's at the point yeah. where it's like, why why are the zombies even here anymore? You're not doing anything interesting he, with them. You know, I, just thought, I, just, I just remembered that Game of Thrones has zombies with the White Walkers and they're like those fast, crazy frozen ones. Mm-hmm. All the White Walkers? Yeah. Yeah. And, it's a form of a zombie. It is a form of a zombie, and the thing is, what makes that interesting is that the lore behind it. You know, they've been they've been alluded to since the first episode, since the first chapter in the book. You heard about these things, and no one believed it. And mm-hmm. now, you know, it's finally an, a, a threat. It's like a myth. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You tell your kids before they go to bed, the White Walkers will get right. you. And then you see it, and what happened is they got—they were these fast, overwhelming creatures, kind of like World War Z or 
Left for Dead, and that's what makes them appealing in the Game of Thrones um, mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you kind of think so. about the power curve of everything else going on in that world, and they've got to be pretty fucking intense for anyone to give a shit about zombies in that world. So, right, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, especially the fact that you know they've been alluded to for eight seasons. And people have been mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, if they come mm-hmm. back, we're all fucked. But they're not, because they're never going to come back. Yeah. And then the fact that they uh, finally do. They had and- to drag one to uh, to King's Landing and show her in a box, because no one believed it. Just to be like, right. look, we have our own problems, but these things are... Anyways, um, it, it's good talk. The last comment, and we can move on, get the hell out of here, is good talk, though. Um, who'd have thought zombies? So much to say. Crumpkey said, I have a soft spot for zombies. I love Walking Dead in its heyday, and I'm embarrassed to admit my favorite anime in high school um, is High School of the Dead. However, I think zombies in movies and TV shows are mostly played out in 2019. In games, zombies are still relevant if done correctly. They're so immersed in the games that the jump scares seem scarier, even if you know it's coming. I've never played Resident Evil, and I don't plan to. It's too scary, but I have faith they'll do it correctly. Well... Fair enough. Fair enough. And that's, you know, that we're all on different spectrums of fear there. So I can play Resident Evil and kind of be bored. And Crumpkey's like, look, I'm not touching that shit. That's too scary for me. So we're all have different spectrums of, of fear. Mm-hmm. I'm just dead inside. So, so. <laughs> uh, that's it. That, I just want to read some of those because, you know, we want it to be special if the comment gets read. Thank you for everyone who, who left a comment this week on the Twitter and the Instagram. As we segue here to our topic of the show, which is an interesting one, our good friend VIP uh, Jeffrey um, basically left this uh, in one of our question boxes. Uh, I think it was a month, a month and a half ago, about like why we kind of do the lifestyle that we do, why play games all the time, new games, ten to fifteen new games or more every year, when there's really only a couple, you know, great games a year. Um, and I, th- I think that there is an interesting question there because a lot of people I know don't play as many games as we do. Now, obviously, we're part of a gaming podcast. Um, uh, so that's part of it. But there's, we're part of a gaming podcast for a reason. You know, we, we enjoy playing a variety of stuff. And I think this is a good question to delve into what we are. I also wanted to say uh, thank you for the question, um, Jeffrey. But uh, shout out to our VIPs, which Jeffrey is. If you are one of our patrons at uh, patreon.com slash swordchomp, um, look for our $5 VIP tier. You get access to a top secret Instagram page, uh, as well as you help fund everything that we do here. Uh, and the cool thing is you never know. Like we like to, uh, when our patrons give us um, questions or advice or recommendations, we take it very seriously because you know they're willing to give us their hard-earned money. So you never know. Become a VIP. You might just... Use your question for the show. Um, but yeah, let's pick our brains a little bit here. Nice segue. Fish, you've been pretty quiet. Um, and I know the mm-hmm. reality is we've dragged you into this life and you hate it. So right. go ahead and explain it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Well, the thing is, though, is like there's some games that I've actually tried because, you know, of recommendations from, you know, you guys. Um and a lot of times, like, I'll I'll hear about it, and I'll think it sounds great. Like, these games that I would never give a chance because they're, they're too indie or they didn't get enough pre- pet press comfort or pre- press coverage 
sorry and like not seeing them um in news articles and stuff like that like like games will just slip by me um and like a lot of times like you just don't know what exactly you're missing out there unless you actually play these games or give them a shot because you, you never know how exactly a game's going to hit you in a way until you actually give them a shot as far as playing them and for me like playing into the breach like i honestly didn't think that game was gonna be appealing or fun to me at all and turns out like it, it was one of my favorite games of last year and i would have never given that game a shot because you know it's a strategy game strategy strategy games are usually boring to me um just because they, they've been around for so long and like they all have like similar systems that I've kind of seen and played. Uh, the only thing that's different is really like the characters and the story and um, what's going on in the world. But um, like Into the Breach was definitely a game that, you know, changed my outlook on that thinking like, hey, uh, something special can still be done in these series. But it's such a niche game that like, uh, I'm saddened that not many people actually got to play that game um, to experience that, even even if they, you know, they, they're fans of, like, strategy games. Like, I don't think they even mm-hmm. given that game a yeah. shot because they're, they're so deeply rooted into, like, the um, bigger franchises out there, like uh, Fire Emblem or something yeah. like that. That's true, Fish. That's true. But luckily, you, the fan, can now <laughs> access Into the Breach, downloadable... At Steam, GOG, and the Switch mm-hmm. for the low, low price of I don't know how much it is now, probably fourteen ninety nine, but it's well worth the money. That sounds right. That's three Starbucks coffees you can go without to have hours upon hours upon hours mm-hmm. of fun. It's a nice little plug for there. Um, it's true. You. So you're saying it opened your uh, opened your eyes to try new stuff that you wouldn't have tried, and you loved it. It's like holy shit! Right. What if I'd never played Into the Breach? Exactly. Yeah. Like that game will definitely. You know, it may not be the biggest game that I've played. You know, like I'm still one to kind of agree with like his uh, his initial to our listeners. Uh, initial question which is one or two games a year are usually what are best and i kind of agree with him on that like you can't go wrong with mario mario odyssey like you know that game's going to be fun and great but like everybody's going to enjoy it for sure but playing indie type of games or games that are not well known um or just given different like franchises and different genres a chance like you might find something inside of you that like in- inspires you to want to delve deeper into that game um whether what whatever genre it may be um so like for me like i would definitely that that's usually what i go off of is i i like to go off of your guys's opinions on video games and go from there um but for the most part, like, I'll usually just hit, you know, the mainstream type of video game titles that are real big, uh, just because I know um, it's something that I'll, I know what I'm expecting from it, and it's probably something that I want to play safe. at that moment. It's the safe yeah. choice. 
Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And taking risks, though, definitely helps out a person as far as, like, just getting to know what exactly you like in video games. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I always think it's funny because we sort of drag Fish into this life that he was not necessarily... This is not the way he's built. In in many ways, we're built much differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that becomes a good joke because you have to have one person on the podcast who's miserable. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Only one? <laughs> uh, in different ways, I guess. Um, what about you, Josh, when you think about sort of the nature of this question? You're probably the person who plays the most uh, games, smaller games, things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm... I... I'm kind of probably the opposite way. I probably play more bigger games that I would never touch if we weren't doing the podcast each year. Mm. Um, kind of the other way around. Like, I kind of feel obligated to try out stuff like Spider-Man <laughs> and Red Dead and God of War. Like, those are the sort of games that I might maybe check out usually, but normally wouldn't care about because they're just a lot of the time they get polished until there's absolutely no personality left in the AAA games. Uh, and that's just, as long as I've been playing games, bores me to tears whenever I see a game with no personality anymore. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of the time I kind of... I, I end up playing more AAA games like that than I normally would um, because of the show. Yeah, that, that's That funny. being said... Um, just, I don't think there's really a right answer here. There are definitely a lot of games that are just really solid and and worth putting, you know, hundreds of hours into if it's something that you, you know, latch onto and really enjoy. And that's absolutely fine. Um, there needs to be room for games like that. Um, just so you have something you can kind of sit back and relax and enjoy something kind of like you were saying with like uh no man's sky or like it, we, we, we need comfort games like that. Um, whether you're in a podcast and trying to play as many games as possible or not. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. You and jo- you and fish are like someone cut the DNA and just, it's exactly the opposite. You know, <laughs> You mostly play smaller games, much larger penis, uh, you name it. I mean, just everything's the opposite. He got all the dominant genes, and I got all the recessive genes. Uh, what Liquid! <laughs> you know, it's not quite how genetics works, but we're going we're gonna to gloss over that. <laughs> I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I learned it from video games. Suck it, DeVito. <laughs> Clearly, video games have done learned you a lot of things. <laughs> they sure did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I'm kind of in the in the middle of these two guys. I think Morgan and I are. I think Morgan probably... Actually, no. I probably lean a little bit more towards Josh's side. And Morgan, I think, leans probably a little bit more towards Fish. Um, I feel like Morgan tries like, and I don't mean to speak for you, Morgan, just using it as a reference point for myself. Uh, Morgan tries a lot of like indie games 
Some of them he is interested in, but a lot of them he tries them because he a he's genuinely curious and he feels like he has to try them because some of those indie games become blow up and become a big hit. Like who knew that? I mean, everyone knew, but like who knew that Cuphead would become the the phenomenon that it did? You know. Um. Yeah. Whereas me, like I'm, I'm more along the lines of I would I would much rather play an indie game because. For me, even if it's a shorter experience, it's not as polished. That's where a lot of the personality comes out. You know, I, I'm i less about the polish and I'm more about the personality. And it doesn't, like, those two things aren't the only driving forces of a game. But a big, a big part of why I play a game, you know, is I'm, I'm super old school about it. You know, either I hear from people, primarily Josh and Morgan and Fish, or some friend, friends outside of that, or for me... I just do the simple eye test, you know, like I'm, I'm perusing articles or I'm looking at the steam sales and I see something. I'm like, wow, that looks freaking awesome. Like that, that box art is incredible or the screenshots of this are cool or some of the gameplay footage is insane looking. And for me, that is a big part of what drives it. Like I'm not super huge on gameplay footage. I'm more like looking at screenshots or looking at like brief 10 second clips of if something looks awesome. And that for me is a really big driving force for why I will pick certain mm. games that I pick. You know, I, um, I feel bad because like Josh, he gives us all these great recommendations of games off the podcast. And, and it's because he plays so many games and I wish I had more time to enjoy a lot of them because I know there are a lot of games in that in that realm that are really good, but you know, for, for us at the podcast, we kind of got to prioritize what we can and can't or do and don't play. Um, you know, so for me having two jobs and focusing on all the things that I focus on, on my free, t- um, like as hobbies and whatnot, gaming sometimes gets the short end of the stick. Um, at times, unfortunately, you know, um, as we, it happens to us all. So sometimes we have to play those triple A titles for this podcast and I won't necessarily want to like Morgan really wanted us to play Far Cry five because it was one of his favorite games of last year and I had no desire to play it, but I, I tried my best, you know, I got through one fourth of the game and could that time have been better spent on a game I would have much rather played? Yeah, sure. But, like, it's part of kind of the whole experience of doing this podcast in a way, you know? But for me, when I base base those choices purely off myself, it's looking at the artwork, you know? Like, when I looked at Seasons After Fall a few years ago, I base it strictly off the fact that it was this hand-painted looking uh, artistic style and the fact that it had animals and you play as a fox. That that literally was the only reason why I wanted to play that game. If I'm being honest with myself. And I think that's it's interesting. Uh that like we all pick games for very, very different reasons. You know, Josh goes for games for more personality not that AAA titles don't have personality, but for more of the indie games, because how he perceives it is that those games have more personality and magic in them. Fish, he likes to go for the experience that will keep him coming back. Um, you know, the comfortable 
polish. And there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's, I'm not being like undercutting in any way. That's just a different level. For me, I, I like to do yeah. the eye test and base it off of that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing that's going to pull you. I think that's one of the things that's so frustrating for me about games like Into the Breach is that they're just so, like, uh, like the gameplay is so good. But uh, but it basically, because of their budget limitations, it doesn't have that much of an art direction. You know, and I'm just like, what if Into the Breach had an amazing art direction? What if it was made by Nintendo? You know, I'm just like... I feel I like it feel... would, you know, it, it might feel soulless is the thing, is the crazy but thing. But the art like, direction... It did, had that why, much polish. Why would the... I just, see, I don't get that. If the game is good, why would an art direction make it soulless? It's like... You're attaching soul to it, the well, idea of well, low think, budget. Think about, think about, think about Crash Bandicoot when we played that two years ago. Like, you look at the originals, and it was just quirky and fun, but then they remade it, made it look more realistic, and it felt like something was missing. I'm not saying the remake was soulless. I'm just saying something was missing. But yeah. but Whoa. at the time, Crash Bandicoot was premier technology, like, yeah. when it first came out. Well, I that mean, was kind of the thing, though. Like, it, it had a good art design, originally, that was that only worked because they were kind of pushing the system as far as it could possibly go. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. And because of that, a lot of the character designs are ridiculous based off the technology now exactly. and whenever you like flesh them out it just doesn't mm-hmm. work in the same sort of a way but but uh. that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying is i'm not saying all big budget art directions are great i think that's the sort of misconception here what i'm saying is what if into the breach had a great art direction like i'm not saying what if it had more money put into the art direction i'm saying what if it had a great art direction you know like in breath it of the wild already does you know? it really doesn't need anything else i agree like I agree. Everything is instantly has, uh, readable in there. There's nothing no, and, else they and, could do to really like all they could do is make it not pixel art cuz you have a thing against pixel art and there's not really a way they could do it any better than that and have it still I, I, work as completely maybe, readable maybe. from an isometric perspective. Like cuz well, it's, 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 it's it's got to be very very easy to tell what you're looking at instantly and that kind of yeah that has very strict requirements about what you can do with all the different designs there it is tough i've thought about that because like the tiles have all these different you know notif- like you'll see the coloration on the tile underneath is different than you have your icon and mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there whether even if the tiles crack so bugs coming out uh, i've thought a lot about that and I, yes i think that's fair maybe that makes it a little more crisp and clear um but I just think that's one of the things I don't have anything against pixel art. It's just, you know, usually it's done in, in a means of, of, you know, saving a budget or, you know, there's a time when pixel art well, was, yeah, it definitely more, was for a while there because a couple well-regarded pixel art games came out all of a sudden, everything is somehow pixel art again. And most of it was bad. But well, I just think yeah. it's it's just tough because yes, maybe that's right. a bad example of the game itself. But the great thing for me about since I've been a kid is I love experiencing games that are on that technological frontier, and maybe that's why we're a little bit different, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like I I'm not saying gameplay doesn't matter to me; it absolutely does. But like I get really excited about experience. Like I'm alive now in 2019, and I get excited about things that make me go, "Holy shit!" If I was alive back in the day, and 
or whatever, I wouldn't have been able to experience this, you know? So that's a big part of the appeal to experiencing all of these games to sort mm-hmm. of answer this question is like, I like, I want to see what all these people are doing. Now, yes, a lot of big, the, the big budget stuff I generally stay away from is the more stale, like, you know, shooters. And I don't really consider things like God of War and Red Dead and um, Far Cry's Borderline, but it was kind of a weird thing. Like, I don't consider those like the gross AAA titles. I have like my own batch of things like yeah. that. You know, we've been around the games long enough. Like a lot of the Ubisoft things, like until it's unfair. Like everyone said Assassin's Creed Odyssey yeah. was actually great. That rubbed me. When I looked at it, I said, that looks gross. Yeah, and no, I, maybe it does. I was wrong, it looks you know? absolutely horrible because it looks like everything that has gone wrong with games in the last decade. It really does. Like it looks like a fucking train wreck. But from it works. Just look, when people, it people does. say it, that it, it actually it, it's, it's because they've, oddly enough, the polish here has saved it. Like, they've taken all these systems that have sucked and have ruined games for so long, and they've figured out why they were initially put into place, and they've somehow managed to cobble together this game that is just... It, it lets all those systems work perfectly to let you just kind of explore the world and always have something to go do. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Like it's, it's, it, that game surprised me probably more than a lot of others last year, just because I'm, I'm 100% with you. Like I saw screenshots for that game and it looks like a heap. Um, yeah. A lot of the yeah. Ubisoft games kind of rub me that way. Yeah. Uh, so you never know. There's accidents. That's what Far Cry 5 was for me. It was a kind of a happy accident. You never know. You know, that's why we try things. But, um, yeah. I like to feel the games that feel special. Like God of War, it may not have been on my top 10 list, but when I played it, it felt special. Same thing, yeah. of course, obviously for me and, uh, and Red Dead. I'm trying to think of some other examples. Like Spider-Man, that felt worth playing to me. Mm-hmm. I, it felt you know, worth my time. Um, yeah. So for me, yeah, it's just I like to experience what the, the exciting things in our medium. But I'm not, you know, a, I don't dislike indies. It's just sometimes it's a little harder for me to, to, to get well, into them. A lot of them have fallen into similar traps as the AAA games. They're like, what, what's making the popular indies popular? And so you end up with yeah. a lot of crap. You end up with, like, I mean, like, think about how many survival games have all of a sudden magically showed up and how many roguelikes really appeared mm-hmm. like magically. Lust. Yeah, and it's just like... Yeah. It, People see what a trend and they I jump mean, like, on it. It's, it's not just the AAA well, developers who are, yeah, yeah, you know, falling into that well, trap. So I think streaming is a big part of that because now people grab a weird game for their stream just for fun. You know, someone's like, oh, "I'm mm-hmm. going to watch this personality. I like play this weird game I never heard of," and they can make it interesting. So yeah, yeah it's sort of the rise of that whole whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh. Saw fish leaning in. You got something to say, fish? See leaning oh. that. Well, I was going to also add in that uh, a lot of games nowadays um, that come out, uh, these developers want you to play their games for long periods of time. They want to retain your attention by coming out with new content, you know, um, on a fairly regular basis. Like, um, for instance, Fortnite, like they, they 
they have their seasons and they want to retain everybody's attention in that game um, and keep, you know, this uh, hype, hype for that game and this fervor that's building in that game mm-hmm. and retain it so that it's popular and it's word yeah. is spreading by mouth between, you know, circles of friends and stuff like that. And a lot of games are kind of building off of that to um, kind of gauge their success, uh, so to speak, and uh, sell more copies. And I feel like a lot of these... I feel like... It, it is possible you know like i've i've been i've been guilty of this like buying one game and like being happily content with that game one game for months on end um yep. like destiny like destiny comes out with regular expansions and mm-hmm. like it's so fun to play with friends like it's so addictive that you can essentially be playing destiny for uh, a long period of time and miss a bunch of games that um don't necessarily excite you because that one game has your attention so um yeah uh, on that side of like the conversation like uh, sometimes video games are just uh, there'll be a game out there that just hits you the right way and um you just love playing that one game and you're perfectly content with it yeah 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 and that 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 is a big change kind of we kind of alluded to it a little earlier kind of with the streaming thing but like games have such longer tails now than they used to like people will stick with a game Mm -hmm. forever these days um and i think a lot of that has to do with streaming a lot of it has to do with console generations getting longer and longer like there's just there's no reason to really change the systems because then you just you lose a big part of your player base and it's just it's it's more hassle than it's worth a lot of times, um, which is why these last ones have la- just hung around for so long. And I, part of it's good and part of it's bad because I mean I, we end up getting support for older games for games we love for a lot longer, which is great for building communities and uh, mm-hmm. for you know just for not having to throw a ton of money around and still still be able to entertain yourself really you know, inexpensively, which is cool. And then a lot of, again, people see this and try to find some way to milk it. And so you get ridiculous stuff with kind of the loot box apocalypse that happened there for a while. Well, it's, it's a lifestyle game system. I really felt that when we moved into destiny, that was the first time I realized the shift was on. Cause it like, you get so deep in the hole that, you know, you go to work and you talk to your friends about Destiny and you're like six months in and you're just talking about the most minute fucking shit. And mm-hmm. you're like, what the hell is wrong with me? This is my <laughs> this is my only life. You know what I mean? It's just these developers are trying to get you into their lifestyle. They're trying to pull you into their, their, their fucking world, their ecosystem, their community, and they don't want you to leave. They don't want you to leave, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't, that sort of game does not work well for what we do. Unless you know how to cut the cord when the time comes. You just got to know how to snip that cord when the mm-hmm. time is right. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Snip, snip. I mean, it gets me too. Like, I wanted to play probably... I, I left a lot of stuff in Red Dead. I was watching Fish play Red Dead the other day, and he there was things he was unlocking that I, was, I just never had time to do. And I was sad, but I was like, mm. you know what? I can come back to that down the road. And I had to move on to do other stuff. And uh, I think, yes, there's a level of sacrifice that I think we will 
we do for the show. But I think that's good. I think that when people are listening to this, they're know, they know we're going to make a level of sacrifice to try more things. And I think that's what makes these kind of shows interesting. If we just play the same three games all year, I just think that that's... Yeah, that yeah. without provocation, I'd probably be still working through that Kingdom Hearts collection that I purchased several months ago. And that, uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah. lead to a much less healthy life overall. <laughs> it, it kind of does. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, it's like when me and my wife go to sit down and we're like, should we watch The Office for the eighth time? No, we should watch something else. We should, for-. speaking of which, Josh, mm-hmm. there's a show I think you might like. It's called Barry. It's about a guy who wants to be an actor and he's Barry. also a hired hitman. You should check it out. You might like it. Not heard of um, that one. What <laughs> was that on? Barry. Yes. When I watch that, I'm just like, this is a Josh show. It oh, sounds probably, like my sort of show. Yeah. Hmm. It's got the guy, he's Barry. strange looking guy. He was on like Saturday Night Live and stuff. Bill Hade? No, that's not his name. Maybe it is Bill Hader. Anyways, uh, it's a weird show. It's definitely Bill it, Hader. It's Bill Hader? Okay. Hmm. Every time I see that show, I just think of it as like a Josh show because he's, <laughs> he's a hitman, but he really wants to be an actor and... Mm-hmm. He's a terrible actor, but it's a great show. <laughs> also has the Fonzie in it. Hey! Uh, I forget that guy's name. Who's the guy who plays the Fonzie? What's that guy's name? Let me look it up right now. It's oh, shit. Henry How Winkler? am I forgetting his name? Henry Winkler. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the, the acting coach. Good show. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And for me as well, like, if I did not enjoy a variety of games, it'd be very difficult for me to facilitate a lot of stuff like uh, social media and stuff because I would just wouldn't mm-hmm. have anything new to throw. Like, uh, I felt like the f- I really like the grind of it all because I mean, I enjoy all the different aspects of of gaming. If I didn't, you know, like it'd be like every time I go to ask Fish, I'd be like, hey, something he you know he's he just doesn't care. You know what I mean? You have to make Fish care. You have to like, Fish, Fish. I just let's just treat, smell it, smell it, mm-hmm. <laughs> smell it. Smells good. You want to try it? Want to take a bite? Yeah. Take a bite. Yeah. Ah, fish should be over there. No, no. I have to max this last character before the new expansion comes out in Brave Exvius. Oh, no. We don't <laughs> talk about that show. This cat turd tastes a lot better than that treat in your hand. <laughs> <He's> play- <laughs> uh, that's what Brave Exvius was, a cat mm-hmm. turd. A Kate Sith turd. Melts in your cloaca, not in your hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, I think that's a good insight into it all. You know, it's, that's kind of what makes the show sort of work is trying. Plus it makes game of the year more fun and interesting. Uh, you can't really do a game of the year show if you only play three games. <coughs> Fish. So it makes it. <laughs> you can try. So I've, I've done the worst thing that any friend can do. I've, I'm, I'm having him play the longest game in the world that came out last year because that's really constructive for mm-hmm. our podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, great question, and hope that gives you a little insight to why we do what we do. Um, and I think, honestly, as far as for all of us, I think it gives us a little more of an interesting insight to games when we have a wide variety. Like, if you just watch one kind of, if you only watch horror movies, then I feel like you're just missing out on uh, a lot of interesting things that are going on that maybe could give you a more interesting perspective. Just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I got some fun polls to run down as we close the show here. <laughs> um, and some of them are kind of silly, and some of them are pretty interesting. These are 
These are hot ass polls. Let me tell you what. Uh, let's get the Resident Evil one out of the way first. Who will you choose first? Claire or Leon? Because the Resident Evil 2 remake allows you, much like the original game, to pick character. 77% of our audience went with Leon, which is a fucking tragedy. Um, Leon's a popular. He's a popular character. People love Leon. I don't know what it is. It must be that perfectly chiseled chin and that nice uh, comb over that reminds me of every kid in middle school. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's got that little half, that little bob cut or whatever it is. You know, you can't beat that. So um, He's a rookie. He's a policeman. He's got a gun, a badge. He's kind of boring a little bit. I don't know. It's not yeah. Weird. It is kind of boring. But then you, you look at the other option and you're like, who the fuck is Claire? Yeah, she's just some I hot think. chick? Yeah, what is her deal? So far, she's not super interesting either, but I generally feel like they games will try to make women characters more interesting. Like, they give them a little more depth. Usually men are just all protection and bravado, you know, which is fine. It's a video game, but there's not a lot there. But people don't care. Tell me, you should play. you should play Claire because I'm playing her right now and she is... Have you heard of the piece? Oh, sorry, Shay's creeping up. You got something to say, Shay? Can you please stop? For once in your life. Never. Not be the creep. Just once. She is a beautiful woman. Then treat her like Too a beautiful. beautiful woman, not like a piece of meat, you sick pervert. Hey! Hey! I'm sorry. Right. I got carried away. No, it makes sense, though. You look at it like... <laughs> Like I, I look at it from this point, maybe it's maybe it's a little bit uh I don't know, short sighted or ignorant, but most of the people who play video games, most of the people who listen to this podcast are men. So what are they gonna yeah. wanna play as? <gasps> the man. Yeah. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, probably. Step out of your comfort zone, people. Come on. Uh me have pecker. Him have pecker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fish hears that he said every time he goes. <laughs> I love it. He boots up a game. He's like, "Which one has the pecker? That's the one I want. I want the pecker." See, they're just missing out. They should be creepy like me, expand your horizons. You know what, yeah. fish? Did if you it makes you feel any better? Gender, in order to stop people from modding their pants right off, they all just have Ken bulges. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Because Fish right now is assuming that yeah. Leon is the one that has the bulge. Shame on me. Shame on me for assuming there. I, I, think, I think that made an ass out of both you and everyone else listening. So and the, it, it might have made Morgan um, gay. Well. <laughs> I'm going to edit what? that out now. <laughs> <laughs> Beep. That's one of Beep. <laughs> Fish Might have made always, Morgan beep. Fish is always oh, you politically should, correct. You know what, Josh? You could do it the other way. It might have been. It might have made beep gay. Mm-hmm. Hey, believe me, there's a lot of video game characters that I'll be happily gay for, but Leon's not one of them. Mm. So, um, sorry. Uh, have you heard <laughs> of the PC remake of PT, aka Silent I want Hills? this list. <laughs> you want my list? There's, there's a list uh, there. I can. Make I'm one. sure it is written down somewhere too. He had to give it to number w- the fiance before he was. He was sitting. He was sitting there was, one. Yeah. He's sitting there one night in his room, and he's like doing show notes. 
and he looked up at his computer and there's a picture of Ryan Reynolds uh for a Deadpool 2 promo and he's like who would I go gay for? And then <laughs> he just like like he started <laughs> really scratching, he started scratching his forehead actually. with his pencil. Kind of biting it. That was a good Ryan Reynolds. Putting it in his mouth like a little that. bit, and then he's like, mm. "Yeah, just kind of raising up his snapback <laughs> yeah. just a no, little it was, bit." It was my vape yeah, Blastoise, Blastoise mm-hmm. snapback, mm-hmm. and then he's like, mm, "I wonder." And then suddenly, like he's like ten minutes gone, goes by, and he looks down at his notes, and it says Ryan Reynolds, George Clooney, those are, Henry those Winkler. Are, no video game characters, not. Mm. You know, not actors. I can't. I can't go yeah. down that road. Where, Love where did this note come from? For me. And why is it I fit written on my underwear? My throat. <laughs> why does it say hall passes? <laughs> uh, I could say the father is probably in the top of that list. That man bun and that charisma. Come on, you get lost in those dreamy eyes. Me and Fish did. Uh, okay, have you heard of the PC remake of PT? Uh, so this is pretty cool. A fan made a unreal version of the PT demo. I basically just asked people if they heard of it because if they hadn't, they should check it out. Um, 60% of the audience said yes. And I have done a lot of research on it and watched some videos. It actually is pretty fucking accurate, like creepily. So down to the sound effects, like to the point where you think they're going to get sued or something. Um, they did a really good job with this thing. And it's cool because it allows people to maybe try it out who, you know, the, the story of PT, how that demo got taken down. I still have it, though. I still have it on my uh, PlayStation. One day, my PlayStation is going to be worth millions of dollars for that PT demo. Um, Fish, do you still have it on your... Oh, no, that's right. Your ex-wife mm-hmm. stole your PlayStation. Yeah. Oh, eh. Shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> she, PT was the biggest thing she ever stole. God damn it. That'd be funny if she's like, Fish, I went to sell that PlayStation, got so much money for this weird game that was on there. Something PT? I don't know. Now I'm wealthy. <laughs> that's exactly That'd how it's going to go down. Yeah, that's a nightmare. That's a reoccurring nightmare that he has, much like PT. Uh,. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out if you never played PT because it looks pretty cool. 60% of our audience said they never even heard of the... Or they had heard of it. So that means 40% of them were like, what? I didn't know this existed. I need to check this out. Um, Shay, missed the story. We are just talking about how Fish's ex-wife stole his PlayStation with PT on it and now it's gone forever. That bitch! And it's worth millions. Mm-hmm. This will make you feel better, Fish. I asked the audience with the success of the RE2 remake, would you like to see a Dino Crisis remake? 59% of the audience, let's just round it up to 60, said yes, they would. Hey. You know, that that would really be a nice remake. Or, I don't know if I would want a remake as opposed to, well, this is Capcom here, so they... I don't know if I want that from Capcom or not, to be honest. Um, sure you do. I would, like to, I would like to see dinosaurs in a video game. Yeah, terrible analysis. Mm. There's a million gays mm-hmm. of dinosaurs in them. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? I love dinosaurs. <laughs> Give me the Triceratops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the worst dinosaur. So, with this poll, I actually voted yes, because you know what? I'm supportive of, supportive of people when they want remakes. 
unlike the person who originally posted this, whenever I say I want the Gex remake, and I always get shit for it. Hey, I want the Gex remake I voted remake yes too. for this. Thank you, Fish. Thank I you. I didn't say I Someone is supportive I in this podcast of me. A Thank Gex you. remake would be fine. I would be fine. I would be okay with that. Thank you, Fish. You're welcome. Fish never even played Gex. He doesn't even know what you're talking about. I played Gex to enter the gecko. <laughs> Slip of the tongue, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, um, no, no. It's good. That game helped me save 15% or more on my car insurance. By switching to... <laughs> Yeah, God, I wonder. Like, if if some of the really great platformers have trouble holding up, I wonder about Gex. We need to go back and play it for the podcast. Research. We need to research it. Ah, uh, Bungie has separated from Activision. The two choices were fuck yes or no. This is terrible. Ninety percent of the audience, a rare ninety burger, said. Fuck yes. Mm-hmm. They were. I don't yeah. see that very If often. nothing else, it led to the first good Penny Arcade comic in probably three years. So. <gasps> oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Hope they're not listening to the podcast. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, what, what happened in that what? comic? It, yeah, you have, it's. I have to go check it out. Firefighters are comforting a traumatized bungee that of, you know, wrapping up, up in a blanket and. After he's escaped this fire, and all of a sudden he starts up and acts like he's going to run back into the building, and they have to stop him and shake him to get him to stop. Bungie, Bungie's yelling at the fireman, but you don't understand. Blizzard's still in there. Oh, <laughs> oh that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like it. Yeah, interesting. I mean, you know, they're set for whatever reason, whether it was something Activision didn't want for financially or internally, you know, creativity-wise, it's hard to believe that they won't be better off separating, um, even if they don't have the resources they once had. So, Interesting. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. We all said, fuck yeah! Congratulations, Bungie. You're on the right path. Fuck yeah. Uh, I still need to go back and play Destiny 2 this year. I need to catch up, man. Mm. Catching up to do. Here, yeah. Heard good things. I need to check out the new expansion. I've heard good things about that one. And that first yep. season pass that I got was so underwhelming that I didn't get the second one. But I've heard nothing but good things about the expansion since then. So I really should go back and check it out at some point. Yeah. Again, ironically, with our topic of the show, another casualty of just playing a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. This one's kind of a stupid one, but uh, they announced Mortal Kombat 11 um, had a big like showing event that people were messaging me about, and they announced that there's some new characters along with a returning character from Mortal Kombat 2, which was my favorite character, Baraka. Which apparently, he's been gone. I did not know that. I don't know anything about Mortal Kombat. I didn't know that Barack has been gone forever, I guess. Because, you know, Ed Boon was on the stage and he was like, returning a favorite from Mortal Kombat 2. They're like, oh, great, he's a favorite, so why did you keep him away for nine games? That makes a lot of fucking sense. Um, anyways, Barack is back. He's a creepy fucking looking dude with crazy spiky teeth and giant impaling fucking blades that come out of his forearms. Uh, 
So that's cool. But a uh, quick question for you guys. Who was your go-to Mortal Kombat character? <laughs> Shay. Kano. Kano. Interesting. Huh. I see the guy with like the Cyclops uh, eye thing, like a laser eye. Yeah, he has a laser eye. Okay. He had the nastiest uppercut in the whole game. Hmm. Fair enough. All he needs is a good uppercut. Fish, who's your go-to Mortal Kombat character? Raiden. Yeah. You would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Raiden, really? Why Raiden? Yeah. Because he could teleport all over the place, and he does, like, this cool, like, push move where he, like, just flies across the screen and hits you with his hands. All right. That's all you need to know. <laughs> he fly, flies around and smacks you with his hands. There you mm -hmm. go. Nothing about That's the thunder. A... Didn't even mention the whole lightning aspect, you know? Eh. That's just that's his pizzazz, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, Josh, go to Mortal Kombat character. Um, putting my quarter in another machine. <laughs> I figured you were gonna do something with that. Mm-hmm. Like Metal Slug, or like House of the Dead, something. Oh, something along those dead. lines. Since we're talking about Mortal. zombies. Come on, Josh. Mortal Kombat was great. It was great. Was it? There was blood, the time, but I don't think great. it was actually that good of a fighting game. It was passable, but... Josh. Josh. You know, there are very, very, very few moments in the world. I think there have maybe been one or two of them where I truly feel like you're being ignorant. And I hate to say it, this is one of those times. Mortal Kombat is so fucking good. It was so good for its time. How can you say that? It hurts, Josh. Mm. It hurts my soul. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know that. Oh, wipe really? my feet next time. <laughs> <laughs> really though Mortal Kombat was such a good game for its time it was really for its time, it really yes. was a groundbreaking game for its time you know like the gore and um just the fatalities everything that came along with that game truly at the time were unheard of I mean now now it's just to me it's a typical fighting game you know it's like I used to love Tekken now it's along the lines with Dead or Alive, Tekken, Street Fighter, all those games. I mean, it's it's another fighting game. But for its time, the originals were so good. In my opinion, I guess. I'm just, well, the I'm first surprised. three, I think, were considered critically... Yeah, and like you said, they were more groundbreaking for being really violent. Uh, unfortunately, that's hard to... Re you can't really shock people nowadays. Like, I don't even know what they would really do to really shock someone in that way anymore, so... They do the yeah. Opposite. The fatalities they have would have to show the friends first. and family reacting to it after the fact for it to be shocking <laughs> at all anymore. That'd be great. Ah! Oh my God, Johnny yeah. Cage! No! <laughs> we, could combi right? we could combine those ideas, Fish or not Fish, Josh mm -hmm. is like they have a big tickle fight, and the families watch the tickle fight. Hmm. Tickle, the tickle fight's happening, and like. Kano and uh, Liu Kang are rolling around, tickling each other, and the family's just like, what the fuck is wrong with these two? Yeah. And that's the Grandpa's game. just sitting there with an eyebrow knit so close together there. 
you know. <laughs> looks like the fattest caterpillar my, uh, that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> caterpillar, bro. My uh, sad memories that my mom and dad made me turn off the blood in Mortal Kombat. You can go in the settings and can turn off the blood. So when my friends came over, it was just spit. Like this weird white <laughs> fluid came out of it. <laughs> Uh, it was. Uh, I wanted to play it so bad, but they wouldn't let me have the blood. So, it, yeah, parents were weird back then. Like, how was it any different? Like, no, no, you can beat the fuck out of each other, but blood is too far. Yeah, like I'm telling you, can you still oh. rip spines out of people, but if there's blood, that's uh-huh. just a bit too gory. I, I'm telling you, man, like some of those older games like that and Doom, there was just something about how creepy they felt as a kid and at that time period that cannot mm-hmm. be duplicated over time. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. most people remember that stuff. Like even when you play Mortal Kombat in the arcade, like just the finish him, like the weird like announcer voice and the music and the vibe, it just had this strangeness to it. Um, but people are still, you know, people still love their characters. See, the, the, my issue is I would love to play this game with you guys for the podcast, but I don't want to spend $60 on a fucking fighting game, man. Like, Jesus Christ. So, like, I wish they had, like, a better system. Like, it's $20 to encourage you and your four friends to buy it for, you know. I, I just feel like fighting games are just objectively too expensive for me. Um, and renting it, if we all rent it, it's going to be a pain in the ass. So, I don't know. It's. I'd like to play it, but it seems like a. I'm not going to spend sixty dollars on it unless unless everyone in the gaming world is just losing their mind on it, and I don't think it's going to happen. Um, are you surprised? Sea of Thieves is the third most popular game on Twitch. So I found out from the same VIP friend of ours, Jeffrey, who um, gave us the question of the week that yes, Sea of Thieves is doing incredible right now, and he felt like it was partly because one of the biggest streamers in the world, Doctor Disrespect is getting into it and uh he has a lot of, of followers and watchers which is uh, mm-hmm. good for sea of thieves i can imagine rare sitting around like fuck yeah we're the th- we're the th- they're only like forty thousand off of Fortnite, man that's crazy yeah that that does seem surprising to me like as much as we love the game and as unique as basically every experience you're ever going to have in, in that game is which makes mm-hmm. it very streaming friendly. It still, it still seems strange that it's that popular all of a sudden. Yeah, that's why I think it's just a wave of people following him. Um, if he has that many, I mm-hmm. mean, I'd have to see how many fuck Twitch followers he has. I imagine it's a lot. So if they're tuning in every day, that's this is the best time for us to jump in, guys. Everyone's playing Sea of Thieves. <laughs> Jump. We, me and Fish scarred uh, Shay last time we played with him, so I don't think he wants to play with us anymore. <laughs> he had a traumatic experience yeah. with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah our, that was. We need yeah. the dad pirate. Yeah. All of a sudden, you showed up and realized you were the only person there who knew how to sail the ship. It's hey, it's, it's traumatic, dad. Yeah, <laughs> I was trying to be the stepdad. Like it was, it was like imagine a scenario where like a person starts dating a woman with multiple children. And it's a few months into the relationship, and she's like, hey, I gotta go uh, run to the grocery store, I'll be back in an hour. And you're like, yeah, I have everything handled here. And then she comes back, and there's, like, toilet paper just uh, streamered around the apartment, and, like, there's one kid just, like, naked rubbing wet flour all over his chest, and then the other one is bathing in a 
bathtub of ketchup and the the guys screaming like trying to clean everything while there's a dog on the loose in the house and that's kind of how it felt like that sounds about right i was you know trying to keep everything contained <laughs> we tried to warn you shay i think shay was also getting frustrated because he was getting picked off by some some very I good was. pirates yeah, yeah i was yeah yeah i i've definitely like part of it was the the lack of cohesion part of it was just the skill level between us versus the other people was also frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Play. I play. If you play competitive games with Shay online, he gets real into it. He really does. I mean, I, one time I remember <laughs> I, we played Rocket League I just, together. I swear to God, general. he was, he was like a different person. It was like his alter ego came out. I was like, who is this guy? Like, I'm telling you, man, like, that's why I don't play video games competitively online anymore. Um, I mean, like I told you guys about my Call of Duty addiction. It was bad, man. I don't, I don't like being like that. Like, actually, one of the so confession time. I like, I used to obviously you guys know this, but I used to be really big into Magic: The Gathering growing up, and I used to play that a lot. And towards the end of my time playing, I wasn't even going to have fun, you know playing the created decks that I made or drafting, I was having fun going there to harass the people who were shittier than me. You know, like, <laughs> like I, 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 seriously, I would, like, we'd be playing and I'd be like, I'd be just a fucking dick to people. Hmm. Like, I'd be like, man, your deck sucks. Like, I was just an asshole to people. And, like, there'd be some people there, they're super nice guys because, like, you know, like some of the some of the nerd crowd is can be just the sweetest people in the world, and I would we would just lay into people, just teasing them, and they just laugh it off because they're just happy to have friends or just happy to you know be have the attention. And I would totally be a fucking dick. And like once God, I realized this was about like nineteen years old, once I realized that that's what I was doing, I was like, man, I don't want to fucking play this game anymore. If, like, that's why, like, the reason why I'm going to have fun is to just be a dick to people. So, like, I pretty much quit yeah. because I can of that. do that in YouTube comments much, much <laughs> more cheaply. Yeah, exactly. You're not buying <laughs> cardboard crack. And... <laughs> yeah. But, no, well, like, I get really, I get really competitive. I just get really fucking competitive. And, um. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's not good. Like. You know, I'm I'm approaching thirty, and <laughs> God, I hate admitting this, but it's the truth. You know, like sometimes I go to like the club, like the clubs with my Japanese students, and like the basketball, the basketball one is the one I go to the most. I love basketball, clearly. And sometimes they're like, I want to play one on one, and usually I'll go pretty easy and have fun with them. But like one of them will start talking shit, and I'm like, all right, motherfucker. Like you're half my age, but I'm, I'm gonna take you to school. And I'm like, I'm twice the size, and it's bad. It's like I don't like doing anything mean or malicious, but it's like I'm gonna, I'm like, I know I can clearly because this person's half my size, but I'm gonna do it anyways. You're like, I'm so you're like the Yao Ming. <laughs> you're you've, you've reversed the Yao Ming in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the the one you want to go with, but yeah, pretty much it's just like I get I get ultra competitive. And almost anything I do, I'm super competitive. Um, I it's hard, like trying not to show it. So, like when it, when it comes to like gaming online, it, like I just wanted to play. 
<laughs> Josh, you gotta say that out loud. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll, I won't keep this. The reverse Yao Ming is just sensational. <laughs> it's it feels amazing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great oh, position. Fucking right. shit. <laughs> but no, like I, uh, I had. God damn it! I had every intention of playing that game with with Fish and Morgan with just the idea of having fun. And then when the shit gets serious, just something clicks, and I can't. I couldn't help myself. Like we're having fun sailing, we're just having a good time bullshitting. And then all of a sudden, some, someone is firing on our ship, and it just happens. Like where are the cannonballs in the cannon? Somebody needs to turn the ship half ma- half mast. Oh, like. It happened. It just happened so quickly, and then I get super competitive. So mm-hmm. it's rough. It's a rough life. Beast <laughs> came out. Well, uh, yes. Perhaps at some point we'll get back into it because maybe this will give it. By the way, Doctor Disrespect has 111 million views on Twitch. That'd be a lot. I'm hoping someday we have 11 straight viewers <laughs> at one one video at Twitch. We'll get there. Hmm. I think we're getting close. We've been averaging, I think, what you need to be a Twitch affiliate this week. So if we keep it up, um, I think we'll get there. Yeah. I'm actually, not, I'm actually, not that it'll matter. It'll be, the episode will be out by this point. I'm thinking about streaming some uh, Resident Evil 2 tomorrow as well. Okay. All right. Uh, I found out today you can actually just plug any webcam you have into your Xbox, which is pretty cool. I didn't know that. Oh, I any? I, have- I don't have a webcam, but... Ah, you know. uh, darn! No one needs to see my face. Uh, all right. I, the, well, actually, it might be a good idea because, <laughs> like, you. if I get scared. Wait, can you plug the PlayStation? I, this dumb question. Can you use a PlayStation camera? <laughs> yeah, just just plug your PS4 <laughs> directly into up. the Xbox. And... <laughs> that would be fucked up. <laughs> uh, that's like some bestiality right there. Yeah. No, I don't think. Kind of like your be. battle pets. See which one survives <laughs> the encounter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you could do exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but try it and let us know how it goes. You just you plug your um your PlayStation camera in and it's just a fucking middle finger right back at you. <laughs> so, oi, oi! It's like, what the hell you think you're doing? What the hell you doing? It's, it's like a really ha, low res middle. I've finger. never seen a dialogue box pop up like that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's gonna do it for the show. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we have our hopefully our ongoing fish's redemption. Uh, we'll be on Twitch, not to mention all sorts of cool Twitch, Twitchy action we're going to have going on. That's uh, twitch.com slash swordchomp. We have some side podcasts. If you want to check those out, maybe this is your first show. One's called Evoking the Sublime. That's a developer interview podcast with uh, Professor Lane. Uh, and I have a podcast called In the Blood, where I interview composers. Check those out. Of course, tell your friends about the Chompcast, Swordchomp. Spread the word means the world to us. Um, the people that mean the most to us are the VIPs. And this is that time of the show where we give the VIPs a very special shout-out. Um, and thank you. By the way, <clears throat> patreon.com slash swordchomp. Look for that VIP tier. Um, so this is our special thank you to the VIPs. Take it away, boys. Okay. So, in previous Patreon shoutouts that Fish and I usually organize, we've done, like, a little skit to kind of celebrate all the VIP donators, but since this is the first episode of the year, I wanted to start off the new year with something a little different for the month of January. 
before returning to my oh-so-creative usuals. So I want to give a shout-outs shout to everyone who has donated, past or present, because you all have helped sustain our passion over the past year. So we just want to give the love back. So we're going to start first. How it's going to work is we're going to go from not to shame anyone. This is not a shame thing. We're just going to give credence to those who, like, the, high, the, the highest monetary donators and work the way down from there. So uh, go ahead and take it away, Fish. All right. Our top dog, the big man, the king of donations, Zach H. Is our Zach top H. donator on Patreon. Appreciate it, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Next, Josh. The princes of donations. Epidemic and Gilbeezy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, just a ton. Thank you so much. Guys. All right. Thank you. So now we're going to bump it down to, these are all the VIPs that definitely donate to us, because we love you. So this is Mr. Christian, Corin Space, Daniel, Eric, Facundo, Howard, Ivan or Yvonne, I still don't know how to pronounce your name, and I need to ask you after the show. Uh, Jackie, Jeffrey, John, Kevin, Melanie, Michelle, Rich, Ryan, Tony, and Zach G. That's a lot of you guys that donate to the VIP, that keep us running every month, that interact with us in the uh, private Instagram, that, you know, keep the ship running. You guys keep the community flowing. Thank you guys so, so, so much. Um, yeah. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. The appreciation is overflowing for you guys. All right, next, Fish. At our $3 tier, we have Kane. The only man who wants to give us $3. Thank you, Kane. Being unique. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's holding down the fort, mm-hmm. so to speak. Thank you, Kane. All right, next, Josh. And at the $1 tier, we have Jason and Nicole. Thank you, guys. It really does. Yeah, like, thank even you guys so much. Whatever, whatever you can give, it, it's... With, with the size we are at this point, like, everything really does mean a lot to us. Just anything you're able to... True. Any way you can help us out is really cool. Just being, just being there for us is really cool. It so, is. So you thank know, you. That one, that one dollar actually goes to use. You know, it allows Fish to tip just one more stripper the night that he goes every week. So thank you. That's right. That's right. Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. And the- last but not least, Morgan. <laughs> and uh, you know, to our former donors. Um, Esteban, George, and Juan, um, we can't thank you enough. And honestly, even anyone out there, even if you just donate to us once or twice, uh, it still means the world to us. And uh, you're always welcome to come back in the club. The VIP club is always open. Um, and I, I personally speak with and talk to uh, a lot of these VIP members and chompers on a daily basis, and they're becoming just really close friends. So thank you all so much for 
helping us do what we do. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. All you guys. Yeah, thank you. I love you all. Oh, wow. Fish, and fish doesn't say that very much, all right? Mm-hmm. No. Um, I don't even have love. I don't even know how to love, but I know he, that I love you guys. He mm. did say he loved every single stripper that one night, but that's it. Normally, I don't see him use the L word, so. I was under the influence. Yeah, of, of some boobies. That's going to do it for the show, though. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. We'll be back with some maybe some more advanced Resident Evil 2 thoughts next week as we delve further into it. Hope you enjoyed all the zombie discussion and the community being a part of the show is something we aim for. That's going to do it for this week. We will see you next time on an all-new Chompcast.